0: Season 2, Episode 1. It's the hero's journey of comics. Is this the adventure you've planned for me? Braving the winding road of geekdom. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Sharing our advice. We believe that his example could inspire People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And exposing our mistakes. This is all going to end badly. Everybody has an agenda. Welcome to the Show Me Comicast. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to a new year and a new season of the Show Me Comic Cast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show
0: Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor, the writer for showmecomics.com and also all of our comic book and graphic novel scripts. Sam Richardson, our artist for all of our uh, comic books, is not here today, but I'll go ahead and tell you why. got a Facebook message from him earlier, which said... I don't think I'm going to be able to make it tonight. Madeline, his daughter, went to her grandpa's house for Christmas stuff, and I'm not sure exactly when I'm getting her, still waiting for her mom to text me. Funny part about that is, he wasn't invited. <laughs> so, I think te- hey.
1: I think technically I did invite him towards... The- well, I told him on Christmas Eve, like as he was leaving, that we were recording on Friday.
0: I just think it's unfortunate that he put all that time and effort into... Uh, You know,
1: writing that elaborate excuse, writing his alibi when he he didn't actually need to be here.
0: Exactly. (laughs) But that's okay because we don't need him today, because uh, although it wouldn't be a hindrance to have him here, because he also needs to practice this, which we'll explain later. But today we're talking about pitching. And uh, what that means is like an elevator pitch. And if you don't know what an elevator pitch is, Tim, could you explain to the audience what an elevator pitch is.
1: Yeah, an elevator pitch is if you're trying to explain the, basically explain the premise of the work that you're doing or anybody's work really to somebody like an editor, publisher, uh, film director, uh, just a few words or like a sentence or two under 30 seconds about it to sell them on the
0: idea. So the idea is you're on, who's the... The head of Marvel guy now. I know they change so so often. So uh, uh,
1: Joe Casada, Casadia. Joe, is Quesadilla. actually what I was going to say? And <laughs> I knew that wasn't right.
0: No, I think it's Casada. Uh, so Joe Q, you're at San Diego Comic Con, and you're an aspiring writer artist comic creator, and you've just been dying to work on X-Men. You've got this X-Men story inside of you that is a hunk of hunk of burning love that just wants to <laughs> burst out and spray great story all over everybody. But, you know, you've never gotten a shot and all of a sudden you're at San Diego, you know, you you've been cosplaying all day, you're sweaty, you're tired. It's time to go get uh, some In-N-Out burger and you step onto the other L- are good burgers Jordan? That they're f- phenomenal. <laughs> So you step onto the elevator, you know, to to get back to your car or your shuttle or whatever. And, well, guess what? Joe Q, he's a human being. He, you know, uh, just like the Pope and the Queen of England, they all use the John. And also, he has to use elevators to get where he's going. So he happens to walk onto the elevator with you. The door slides shut. You've got the amount of time it takes for that elevator to get to whatever floor Joe Q is going to, and he's a captive audience. That's where the term elevator pitch comes from. Because theoretically, you could say, hey, man, Joe Q, really admire you, what you're doing over at Marvel. I'm a huge Marvel fan. In fact, I've got an idea for a Marvel story. And He's either going to punch you in the face (laughs) or he's going to say, okay, and humor you and say, tell me about it at that point if you have a great elevator pitch you can bust it out and you know since he's only captive until it hits his floor and he walks out you've got him and you can tell him but if you haven't prepared beforehand you won't you know be able to you, you're going to say oh I'm, uh, yeah well x-men uh wolverine uh, and and then Phoenix comes back again. <laughs> and then uh but but it's different this time. Oh hold on, let me just all right, let me back up. So Charles Xavier decides to found the school. Well, you probably already know that, you're Joe Q. And yeah. then it ding! He's gone. Oh. It was a really great story, but you just blew it. Because you didn't practice your elevator pitch. So we're saying that from a standpoint of you want to pitch an idea to an established publisher and work for them. But the other reason, and especially for ourselves and as independent creators, why this is really important is because your elevator pitch is also your sales pitch to customers. We found this out in an experience at our last comic convention where we had a style that we decided to sell to people by standing in front of our table, getting their attention and telling them to come check our stuff out. Right. We didn't have a clear-cut elevator pitch worked on beforehand. Sure, I know what my story's about. I wrote my story. Do I know how to convey that to somebody in a sentence or two sentences or a paragraph? Something that's under 30 seconds? Something that takes the time of an elevator ride?
1: Maybe not so much.
0: Not necessarily, because I'll sit there and I'll do the fumbling, bumbling thing. I'll say, well, the story's about... Akiko Kuno who you know broke free from her father. Oh and she, and she broke free because well, let's go back. She was estranged from her father and then and all of a sudden you're already getting that wide-eyed like what is this guy babbling about, right. you know, because I'm trying to fill in details that I think people need to know, they don't really need to know cuz I haven't I haven't simmered it down. I haven't sat in there and and let it, you know, get to a nice rue Something that tastes really good, but it's really you know condensed. Haven't done that yet. That's what an elevator pitch does. So we would get these people over at our table. There, like, tell me what your story is about. And sometimes Sam would say one thing, and I would say another thing. And Sam would uh, actually say the entire plot of the book. They, yeah, so they didn't he,
1: actually have to buy it. If you actually, to he would to.
0: also go into stuff that hadn't happened yet, like oh, the, right. in the second half. So I remember a couple sales that we got. I'm thinking. These people are going to be disappointed <laughs> when they only get halfway through what Sam promised them they were going to get. Um, but that, those are all examples that show you we did not come prepared with something short, sweet, but most importantly effective. And that's what we want to try to work on today. Is you know the the whole point of an elevator pitch is man, you're sweating, the door's shut, you're in there with Joe Q. This is your one shot at life. It better be effective. If you develop something that's that good that can land you a job writing X-Men and you work that muscle to be able to produce elevator pitches, imagine how effective that's going to be on a regular customer that's walking by your table and, hey, well, hey, well, what do you guys got uh, going on over there? Come on over. I'll show- in fact, let me tell you, bam, you nail them in the face with the elevator pitch and they're just like, oh, what just happened? I don't know, but give me that book. Just take my wallet, take my firstborn child, give me that book. I gotta read it.
1: We don't actually usually carry change for children, but...
0: Yeah, well, I've got a a foot and a hand and and a spleen, but, you know, that's that's just like having a half dollar, you know? It's gotta be the right circumstance. (laughs) So... What we devised here is kind of like a little game, and it's almost practicing elevator pitches. And I pulled a lot of information of this from another podcast called Writing Excuses. So I'm going to quote some members of that on a couple occasions here. But what our game is, is Tim took some index cards, and he wrote down the names of either popular books, films, or uh, comic book icons, that we should, as fans, be able to give an elevator pitch on because we know them really well. I did the same thing on a, on a stack of index cards. And what we're going to do is exchange stacks of index cards and basically you know, take turns drawing cards and, and fumbling through developing an elevator pitch and in real time kind of finding what works, what doesn't, where did we err, where did we do the thing right, um, so that we can approach... Or you can approach, by, through our example, a work that you or we have produced and be able to do that same exercise almost as if you're an outside observer. All right. Sound good? Sounds good. Sh- should we just jump right into I'm, it? I'm nervous. I mean, hopefully we've sold the people usually. on why this is important. Yeah. Um, and now it's just purely we're just working out our muscles because yeah. we stunk. at this at the last con of boiling our own thing down. Um, And we just really weren't prepared. So here's the rules of the game. I'm
1: not prepared for this. That's
0: the point. (laughs) So you get some real-time fumbling and bumbling. Uh, So here are the rules. There's three of them, really. There are no rules. (laughs) The first rule is don't tell anybody about this podcast. (laughs) The second rule is that's insane because we want people to know about this podcast. (laughs) That's the worst point (laughs) ever. Um, No, in all seriousness, the first rule is uh, what we got a quote from that other podcast by an author named Mary Robinette Kowal. And she said, don't tell me the plot in your elevator pitch. Tell me what it's about. So I used an example when Tim and I were talking off air, uh, if you're trying to tell the plot of say Empire Strikes back, it's like don't tell me necessarily that Darth Vader's the father or that they go to Cloud City or that you know Han gets frozen in carbonite. Those are all great moments, but just tell me the essential what it's about. It's a struggle between good and evil, underdog and an overlord kind of situation. That's what it's really about. Yeah. Um, So that's rule number one. Don't tell me the plot. Tell me what it's about. Rule number two, and I say rules, but these are advice. Only the third one's really a rule. Uh, But the second one is tell me why this is cool. Imagine, again, I I attribute this next quote to Mary Robinette Kowal. Imagine describing somebody else's work that you're extremely excited about. And that's why we're just picking popular works is because that's how you want to express your own story, whether you're selling it to Joe Q on the elevator or Joe the plumber who's walking by your comic book table. You want to be excited about your own story like you were a fan, like you had never heard of it before and then you read it and you're just like, this is awesome. So that's rule two is try to do that in our elevator pitches. And then rule three is the clock. So we're going to use a stopwatch. I have one. Tim, do you have a a stopwatch? I have the timer for how long the podcast is going, so I have
1: a rough idea of what the time is.
0: So not only will we try to listen, but we'll also do a stopwatch um, to make sure that we don't go over 30 seconds. At 30 seconds, we're going to say, because guess what? That's when Joe Q got to his floor on the elevator, and that's when... Joe the plumber noticed that there was a hot cosplay girl over that he wanted to go see her costume, you know, or, you know, Jane, the plumber wanted to go see the, uh, the hot guy in his cosplay costume. So either way, here we go. Are we ready? Do we understand the rules? I understand the rules. There are no timeouts. (laughs) You (laughs) can pass if you've never heard of the work before. Uh, and when it comes to it might be something as simple as like a character or a concept, but when that happens, you're basically trying to tell the origin story. You're right. doing an elevator pitch for what that is. Okay. Okay. It's exchange decks. Alright. Here we go. Crumple, crumple, crinkle. Alright. We have exchange index cards. Should we flip a coin to see who goes first? Uh, okay. Okay i call tails so if it's tails you go first oh okay great here we go by the way this would be a good point in the podcast if you want to bet who has the most successful uh elevator pitches you could make a like a drinking game out of this (laughs) but there's it would really only be subjective criteria that you're judging it by not objective so
1: basically just drink if you want to
0: exactly Heads. (laughs) I go first. All right. Okay. Here we go. So, you do get to pick it up and and think for a moment before you start running the clock. Okay. Okay, and I draw blank. What? (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Cheated. Oh, here we go. Okay, so I got, got one blank and now one dark tower. Ooh. I read the first book. It's been a long time ago. This is by Stephen King. It's kind of a, I would say, a dystopian fantasy. Dysto- <laughs> yeah. Might if you run want under to think of it like of
1: epic fantasy, just because there's so many books.
0: Yeah. You know, I might have to pass on this one just because I don't have enough information. I don't remember enough from the story. All right. Um, but you could write down another one while I'm thinking about the next one on the blank that you gave me. I'm pretty sure.
1: Count those cards and make sure that there's. Cause All I'm,
0: right. There are. So, Dark Tower, one, two, three, four, so five. So, I guess you just forgot to write on one. Okay, well, that's awesome. Wow, this is getting off to a great start. (laughs) First round was a blank, second round was a pass. Okay, I'll put this at the bottom and draw the next one. Pulp Fiction, ooh, (laughs) well-versed in this one give me a second to think. Hmm. We should have a time limit on thinking. <laughs> let's do let's put a minute on the clock for thinking. I think I got it. All right. Stop, reset, ready? And go. So pulp fiction is the story about what you would get from a series of pulp novels crime noir the mob backdoor deals shootings hitmen all these different stories are told in one story because they're interwoven in a non-linear story style by connecting relationships through different characters uh, that you will see through that non-linear style 29.4
1: seconds
0: see how fast that goes by? It's ridiculous. I'm I was like, afraid you
1: weren't going to make it.
0: I mean, I didn't say anything about any characters. I didn't say anything really about plot. So I, I hit that rule. Don't tell me the plot. Tell me what it's about. I tried to do why this is cool. I mean, Tim, you evaluate me. I was just rambling. so.
1: Uh, I got a decent idea of proof of concept. I don't know if you actually sold me on the story,
0: though. So our goal of this elevator pitch hopefully is the to get these three words out at the end. Tell me more. It's kind of the goal. You know, in the case of a customer it's like I want to know more so I'll lift it off your table and start thumbing through mm-hmm. and when they're doing the thumb through you can tell them more. So I guess the goal there was to get that tell me more. I
1: think I would have given you a tell me more. Okay.
0: All right. Well, that was difficult, though, because I'm like, oh, man, there's so many facets. But it's like Mary Robinette Kowal said, don't tell me the plot. If I tried to tell you the plot to Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. i probably Good just sat luck. here for 20 minutes, actually. Um, but telling you what it's about, I had to strip away so much. All right. Well. All right. That, one, that painful <laughs> bullet taken Imagine. in the gut. Hey, there's only five more of these to do. So. All right. <laughs> All
1: right, my turn to draw, and I draw The Big Lebowski. Okay.
0: We're putting a minute on the clock for thinking. All right. You won't have to experience that minute. (laughs) Ouch. All right, and 30 seconds on the clock. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be rough. Ready? Yeah. Go.
1: So The Big Lebowski is is about a California... Uh, hippie bum who gets caught up in a case of mistaken identity which leads to an intricate plot of <clears throat> of uh see and this is where I screw up no plot tell me what it's about um mistaken identity mistaken identity missing money kidnapped girl uh angry Germans <clears throat> and that's
0: yeah that's alright <laughs> so we passed the 30 second mark I thought uh, it's evaluation time, I guess. Yeah. So you started out strong, in my opinion. You said hippie bum, which you know it's almost more than I need to know. Like you just say average guy, you know, or below Below average guy. guy Actually, would be better because that's more what it's about. Below average guy or simple loser. loser guy gets caught up in a case of mistaken identity. I thought you started out freaking strong. You know what I mean? Like that was mm-hmm. really good boiling down the essence That's of That's all story. I came up
1: with in my first minute. So. Well,
0: that, that was great. And then you actually said, and then the plot. And you saw how when he started to try to work the actual plot in, mm-hmm. it was almost like stepping on a landmine. It was like, boom, and he just got scatterbrained after that. So I think we justified Mary Robinette Cohall's yep. rule absolutely. Um, and then right at the end, I felt like you started to get into that why this is cool. Okay, so it's not like a loser got caught up in mistaken identity with another loser. It was loser gets caught up in mistaken identity of kidnapped girl, missing money, crazy angry, Germans, angry Germans, you know. And you're like, whoa! That's a crazy case of mistaken identity. If you went from just loser on the dole to all these other events, and I think if that had the screws had been tightened up a little bit on that, mm-hmm. that was perfect. Really, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. If you, I had actually had time to come up with a elevator pitch, I probably yeah. could have come up with
0: something. So I think without the you know the the bumper to in that, I think the score is one <laughs> one. You the, say something. On the tell me more, so. Well, I think that would have required only one coat of polish. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Okay. Okay. Next. All right. So I'm going to pull the card now, and I draw Dogma. All right. Mm -hmm. A minute on the clock for thinking.
1: Minute starts now.
0: And... Go. Go. So Dogma is a movie about a lot of Christian fundamentals. One of the strongest fundamentals of Christianity is that the Bible contains no contradictions. But two angels find a loophole where they can insert a contradiction into the Bible unless they're stopped, which would wreck religion and Christianity. And the only people that can stop them is the gang of misfits, the likes of which you've never seen.
1: Uh, twenty eight point five. But it was actually twenty seven something because it took a while for me to actually hit the stop button.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, evaluation.
1: Yeah. Evaluation. You uh, you get to tell me more. All right. You uh, you had that one pretty much nailed down.
0: So did I avoid plot?
1: Uh, you, kind I of. Get, I mean, except for like saying that they found the loophole. But I figure that's kind of that's definitely part of the pitch for yeah, the most if, part. It's hard to go any further if you don't give the angels and the loopholes to get to heaven then
0: another thing that on that same podcast that we listened to writing excuses author brandon sanderson said was it's almost like you're producing a movie trailer when you're doing an elevator pitch you know you want those flashy and you can imagine a movie trailer they're going to have those sound cuts from the movie and maybe we should actually pull up dogma but i bet you in somewhere in the dogma trailer they say like and if they're not stopped Blah 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 will happen, you know, and if these two you know, they think they found a way out of this blah.
1: Well that's a sense uh I guess we can spoil dogma for anybody who hasn't seen it, but would you have put Well,
0: spoiler alert if you haven't seen alert it, alert fast if you forward seen fast it. forward one minute.
1: Um would you have put or do you think the consequence of basically unmaking reality if they get back into heaven should have been part of the pitch or not, or is that too much plot?
0: Um uh, I think you could substitute either one. The one I said or that one. I don't think you need both. Okay. So.
1: All, All right. right. My turn again. And I draw.
0: <laughs> Spawn. <laughs> All right. And we put a minute on the clock for thinking. All right. And this is more comic focused. So start. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: Alright, you ready? Um am raised I'm going to be. Alright, and go. Spawn is a story about a soldier, a uh, government assassin, that uh, is betrayed by his employer uh, and dies and is resurrected by uh, what is essentially the devil to fight in an army against heaven. And he has to struggle with retaining his humanity and... Uh, trying to reconcile his new life with his previous life. Too much plot.
0: Yeah. All right. So at the end of that 30 seconds, let's evaluate on uh, don't tell me the plot. Tell me what it's about. How do you think that turned out? I don't know how to explain
1: what it's about without explaining what he is.
0: Well, here's one thing that I was interested in this when I wrote it down for your selection is I'm not a huge spawn guy. I don't know a lot about it. So I was looking for that blank slate at the end of your pitch to see if I was like, had that tell me more moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so in analyzing where you could have condensed plot and stuff, I can't be a whole lot of help. So maybe just take the time on air to think where could you have whittled it down to some sort of core uh, wasn't there something about his family? That's what I was trying to get to towards the end, okay, so is that maybe more core than even the waging war with heaven?
1: um, I think that's basically i think I think that would be more at the core of that. I could probably have skipped the actual war with heaven part and just established that he's. I don't even know if establishing that he's basically resurrected by the devil is necessary either.
0: Yeah, you could only—when you strip that away, it's like—it's funny how uh, I hear a lot of times, uh, you know, we're, we've talked about heaven and hell a lot in the last, like, five minutes, but— I mean,
1: he basically uh, he basically wants reven- revenge on the people who betrayed him and killed him, and he wants his old life back but can't have it.
0: yeah. So that's a, a good There we way. go. That was
1: five seconds, and that was better than my 30 seconds. I think
0: the only thing you need to add is why can't he have it? Because he's dead. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and that's like, whoa, oh, tell me more. <laughs> how is he even worrying about this if he's dead? And that's when you get into the resurrection and mm-hmm. the war and, and things like that. Um, how do you think you did on the why is this cool? Imagine describing somebody else's work that you're extremely excited about.
1: Um... I think anything where you're dead and resurrected by demons to fight against angels or something like that is pretty cool.
0: Well, here's the point that I noticed when you were saying it. You said he's a soldier, and then you almost did like a one line through soldier, and you said government assassin. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's way cooler. That's Mm -hmm. why this is cool is that... You know, a soldier could be some Beetle Bailey peeling potatoes, you know. I don't <laughs> um, even
1: know if he was actually government. He might have just been like a mercenary assassin. But still,
0: if but, you yeah. got that essence from it and you're trying to describe it, it doesn't matter once they find out, you know, after they've bought Spawn 1 through 10, that they find out, well, he wasn't exactly a government assassin. They already bought it, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, I thought you really kind of hit on that moment of like, no, 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 let me tell you why this is cool, the government assassin, you know. And he was kind of had like a almost a rebellious attitude towards hell, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. I thought I think that would make it on the cool factor, too. He definitely didn't want to,
1: like, he he wants no part of fighting in Malboja's army.
0: I would almost say it like this He's in the employ of hell, and he's a bad employee. (laughs) (laughs) You know, something condescending like that is a a real good way to, to get that. Ooh, that. What they called in the other pockets the G Wiz factor. Somebody
1: has an eternal case of the Mondays.
0: <laughs> yeah, in hell. Um, okay, good. So we've done spawn. And now I'm in the hot seat. I hope you oh, draw it's, the it's one it's that I think is going hot. to be. All right, and Terminator. One minute for thinking. Okay, I think I've got it. All right, stop the
1: clock, reset,
0: ready? And go. In the future, not too distant, there is a war between man and machine. Machine is winning, man is on the ropes, except that they have one brilliant leader. Time and time again, the machines have tried to kill him and failed, but the machines have discovered a new way to commit assassination. You don't have to kill the man if you can go back in time and kill his mother before he is born.
1: 25 seconds.
0: How did that hit you? Ding,
1: ding, ding. (laughs) You're way better at this than I am.
0: No, I think I'm a big Terminator fan. (laughs) (laughs) And I was really excited. (laughs) So, which feeds into our rule, why is this cool? Why are you excited? And Mm -hmm. I had to think about it for a second. It was like... How much do you weigh again this goes back to the don't tell me the plot tell me what it's about um most of the the what it's about you get real quick in the terminator movie you get mm. him saying i was sent back from the future blah, blah 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 he's trying to kill you here's why and then you have a whole movie where many things happen but in your pitch you don't need any of that plot you just need that first little Bit of, you know, the guy from the future grabbing Sarah Connor and saying he almost gives the pitch. You know, he gives the elevator pitch to Sarah Connor because he has to because they're going to get killed if she doesn't buy in. You know, it's like. Imagine he gets on an elevator <laughs> trapped with Sarah Connor and on the next floor is the Terminator. He's right. got to convince her in that time. So, it's almost the perfect elevator pitch to draw. So, thank you for that softball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, my turn again. And X-Men the comic.
0: Okay. And a minute on the clock for thinking.
1: Mhm. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah, I think and We're going to put 30 seconds on the clock. Okay. Go.
1: Evolution takes a jump forward and creates humans with extraordinary powers. But the flip side is they are hated by normal people. But they have to fight threats to humanity while at the same time being hated by and persecuted by the very people they are trying to protect. That's all I got. 26.9,
0: Twenty-six point nine, and it took me a second to reach over. So more like twenty-five seconds. Huh. Thought that was good. All right. And uh, you really kept, you know, I said X-Men the comic, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of history <laughs> to have right. to, to have to get rid of, you know, and not say uh, certain words. And notice in this, we're not saying character names, mm-hmm. which was a piece of advice we learned on uh, giving elevator pitches. And there's
1: eight million X-Men.
0: Yeah, but uh, you could say you could have really stumbled out of the gate by saying, uh, "Professor Professor Charles Xavier founds a school." If that's where you start, that's it's 10 like ten seconds Whoa. right there. Yeah, it's like okay, you're gonna, now we need to know who Professor X is. We need to know what type of school it is. We need to know this. We need to know that for any of what you just said to have any resonance. But you avoided that. I thought a really good job. Um, I thought the only thing that could have added to it is like, if you would pin down a little bit more that them fighting threats to protect humanity was also their way to like convince humanity that they didn't need to be hated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which you you did, and especially if me knowing the story, I'm trying to think of a, a person that doesn't know the story, right. but it's like, I guess the stakes were what was kind of missing. It's like, hey, and if they do this often and frequently enough, hopefully their hope is to win over the people that hate them. Okay. You know what I mean? Not like they're just gonna keep doing this like nine to five, punch in. All right, people hate me, punch in, fight back. guys, punch out, next day make the donuts again, you know? But that they have some kind of hope. No, I thought it was really good. I got the I got the why this is cool right off the bat about the evolution takes the next step kind of thing mm-hmm. and, and then people hate them I'm like oh that's interesting you know never thought about it like that I mean the storyline has told us that but I'm speaking from somebody that uh, is fresh right and you definitely didn't tell me a plot and there was plenty <laughs> there that you could have you didn't say the word Magneto you didn't say Professor X so uh, good job you didn't say Mr. Sinister which was really good because nobody likes Mr. Sinister you're not a Mr. Sinister fan I just remember the episode of the cartoon where his face like forms on the sand and goes ah, ha, 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 or oh, whatever, yeah. and it's like grains of sand. And I'm like, all right, lame. Let's uh, let's go to the Savage Lane. <laughs> so, all right, well done. Well, I think at this point we probably need to take a break. That's probably a good idea. And recommend to you something that you can get from our spo- sponsor, Audible. Uh, if you go to audibletrial.com/slash/showmecomics, you can pick up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds upon hundreds of thousands or maybe a hundred plus... 150,000.
1: 150 150
0: plus thousand titles uh, of audiobooks. And I really think that when you say audiobooks, it almost has that connotation of I'm going to open up this big plastic blister pack of 10 CDs Uh and listen to them that way. It's not like that anymore, guys. We're so hooked in to everything. You've got... A computer in your pocket if you have a smartphone. You've got a computer just laying around the house like a magazine if you've got a tablet. There are so many ways to interact with Audible. It's ridiculous. So now audiobooks are literally at your fingertips 24-7. I use them all the time. I use them at work when I can. I use them while I'm doing the dishes. I was just listening to one uh, the other day while I was flossing and brushing, that's normally dead time, you know that. And time that I hate, I'm like, oh, so boring, you know. But gotta t- take care of those chompers. But I go in there and I catch five minutes of an audio program, and sometimes that could be a, a battle scene in a book. That could be a speech given by a historical figure. There's so many things you can get from Audible. So go to audibletrial.com/slash/showmecomics and you can pick up a free title today. It's free. No money. Very little effort. I mean, it's clickety-clack on your keyboard. That's it. And what you could pick up is one we're going to recommend. We're talking about doing elevator pitches with the don't tell me the plot, tell me what it's about and why it's cool, like you're extremely excited. So I got to tell you, go out and pick up Jurassic Park. Yeah, It's probably the king daddy of all elevator pitches when it comes down to... Scientists learn how to clone dinosaurs, they throw them in an amusement park, and pretty soon it all goes terribly wrong.
1: That's seven seconds and I'm hooked.
0: I mean, that's, and you could see why Michael Crichton's career just took off and that book took off, but also I want to tell you, if you've seen the movie, this is not one of those cases where you read the book and it ruins the movie, or vice versa, you know, the The imagery you got from the movie ruins the book because now you can't picture anybody else in that role. Blah, 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 blah. They have a great synergistic relationship. Basically, what the book does is it's pretty on course with the movie and it adds in a few extra scenes. I remember playing Jurassic Park on the Sega Genesis and Mm -hmm. there was this whole like river rafting level. And I'm like, what? This wasn't in the movie. This is stupid. And then I went back in the... The book and read, and the scene was in the book, and it was really well done. So, if you are a fan of the movie and have not read the book, go to slash show me comics, pick up Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton for free. You won't be disappointed.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> was that Chewbacca or Brontosaurus? I, I don't know. Hey, I don't know what that was <laughs> All right. to be. So, whose turn is it? My turn? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So I only have two left. Are you sure it's my turn? Well, you passed on one. Oh, it's because I passed.
1: And you're probably gonna now. You're gonna pass on another one. Hold one on, was positive, Fawn.
0: If I passed on one, but you gave me another one. Oh, okay, that's why it's my turn. So well, as one as was I, blank. Okay, all right. My turn. Ready? Spawn <laughs> here. right? write me another one. All right. <laughs> Good thing I didn't get that one. All right. And I flip it over, and it says, son of Spawn. <laughs> oh. All right. So the only reason I had him write down another one was because I don't know that much about Spawn, to be honest with you. And you know, I, already, and I could, We already
1: and, discussed Spawn.
0: And I couldn't have done it in a better way than Tim did. So all right. Instead, I got Superman. All right. I'm going to do this. From a little bit of different spin, okay, because I just watched Man of Steel, okay, and I really liked it. I would love that movie. So you would love it if you've seen it. No, I I said I love
1: that movie. It's the only Superman movie I actually. Dude, it got
0: a lot of negative publicity. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, the the only
1: thing I thought was bad about it is I thought the last fight scene went on too long.
0: Yeah, we could do a whole podcast about the negative criticism and debunking it. I would love to do that, <laughs> On Man actually. of Steel, so maybe we should. That should be the next Analyzing a Great <laughs> All right, I'm down with that. Okay, let's put a minute on the clock for thinking. Okay, I think I got it.
1: All right, and clock. Reset.
0: Okay, this is going to be unique to Man of Steel, because I'm also using it as a way to defend some of the criticism. Okay. Okay, so... Ready? Go ahead. So we're going to do an origin story of Superman, well-known icon, except for the fact that in this origin story, he does not become Superman until the very last minute. He develops the powers of a Superman, the super strength, the speed, the flying. He develops all that, but it's not until... He lives a little bit of life and is actually pitted against an old Kryptonian enemy, General Zod, that he becomes Superman through the struggle. I was racing against time there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right at the end you...
0: uh, There were so many things I wanted to say. Once you
1: hit General Zod, you were actually at 30 seconds.
0: And the first thing I'm going to criticize myself is saying General Zod. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could get away with saying Superman... Right. Because what space is, you know. Um, but General Zod, not everybody's going to know what that is, especially Joe Jane on the street who's been to Six Flags and has seen the Warner Brothers merchandise and knows that there's a Superman is not necessarily going to know this is General Zod. Mm-hmm. All I, And I also said Kryptonian, didn't I? Uh, I think you did. So what I should have said was something along the lines of, you know, a thought dead enemy from Superman's original homeworld, or something like that, you know, that I could have done a better job.
1: I don't know. That might've taken longer.
0: (laughs) It would have taken longer. But again, when we can digest this and edit, you know, once we've thought about it, that's what I should have done. So aside from that, my own criticism, Tim, what do you have?
1: Um, this is the, uh, this is the interesting thing about this is like, technically your pitch was really good. It might be my own bias, but if somebody says we're going to do a Superman origin story, I'm out already.
0: Which is kind of why I said, but he doesn't. Yeah, you know that wouldn't have helped your not liking it when I said, but he doesn't become Superman to the end because I can I can think of Smallville, which I hated because yeah, he never I can't became stand Superman. Smallville.
1: But the other thing was like when they did the new Spider-Man movie, it was like. Oh, good. We're starting Spider-Man over
0: again. Well, that's what I, I loved. I would have him. lost
1: my mind if somebody had come to me and said, if I was a movie director, said, hey, we want to redo Spider-Man.
0: That's what I loved about uh, Edward Norton's Hulk. Mm-hmm. You got in there and he was the Hulk already. And he was just being yeah. the Hulk. Because, you know, you think about a movie. Um, let's think about like John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. So there's this thing monster from space or Antarctica or whatever it came from you know they don't have to do the monster or plagues origin story for you to believe it you know what i mean they're just like hey there's a monster slash plague deal with it i think a lot of superheroes could do that it's like here's a guy in a blue suit who flies deal with it and the audience would be like okay fine well the first we do that all the time star wars star trek Tons of unexplained stuff that you just deal with.
1: Uh-huh. First the first Tim Burton Batman, he was Batman right from the get-go. Yeah. So, Although Batman Begins isn't a great movie.
0: Yeah, we we do like Batman Begins, as you could probably tell by our header. But uh, <laughs> anyway, okay, so I think we got some good criticism out of that.
1: My turn. <laughs> Chasing Amy, just kidding Superman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So one reason I kind of said I'm going to do this Man of Steel is because I knew I wrote Superman down in Tim stack. Um, but I would like to hear more from a comics-based, you know, and I think you have more experience with Superman than I do. This when it comes one's going to be comics. difficult because I
1: hate Superman.
0: <laughs> you know, I did until I watched Man of Steel. Right. <laughs> that was my thing. All right. Which I'm sure, I, I don't know why everybody in the comics world seemed to be so down on that movie. But wait, because like that's Superman. another podcast. That's another podcast. All right, let's go.
1: Ah, oh, all right. Let me put some time on the clock for me to think of something. A minute on the clock for thinking? For something good that I can say about Superman. Here we go. <coughs> trying to do the Johnny Carson thing with the card up to my head to see if
0: I can actually. <laughs> it's an audio medium. They can't. Uh... You'll have to post a picture yeah. in the show notes. I'm,
1: I'm rubbing it against my forehead as we speak. <laughs> All right, stop it, because I'm not going to be able to... <laughs> this is...
0: All right, and 30 seconds on the clock. Okay. Superman the iconic, almost a century-old comic character. Okay. Go.
1: Alien child from another planet crashes in small-town USA, raised by a Midwestern family. Um... Oh, crap. Uh becomes a paragon of hope and justice for all people through discovery yeah i can we can yeah all right he's so
0: he's so boring you know that first he's such
1: a boring character
0: that first and we said we wanted to jazz this up and make it exciting to the people who want to say tell me more i thought you really hit all right alien who crash lands and is raised by a midwestern family so first of all When you say Midwestern family, you think small town, Mm -hmm. down home values, Mm -hmm. you know? So you think these are the last people that are like, you know, the immediately conjures up that imagery of like if the alien's coming in the alien's gonna play by their rules not mm-hmm. the other way around you know it's like
1: well one yeah, of the problems eat all your
0: peas clark
1: one well one of the problems i had is i didn't uh, establish that he was humanoid i didn't establish that he had superpowers because right now it could have just been et
0: you don't need to though because the person that's listening to the pitch might they might become interested if you said humanoid they might be like eh, i'm not sold on that mm-hmm. based on short time like, given a long period of time where you can explain, well, because he's humanoid, he can have relationships with girls, you know, and mm. this, that, and the other. Uh, and he can have a secret identity. They're like, oh, I see where you're coming from on that. But he's so, if you—
1: He's so vanilla. It's <laughs> hard to come— After, if you, after you, leave,
0: you get past that
1: point, it's, like, hard to come up with something that's but like, But the okay, fact okay, that, that you left that out,
0: they might be thinking goo-dripping alien <laughs> is raised by Midway—and they're like— Tell me... Let's go grab a drink. Tell me more. (laughs) you know.
1: bursting alien.
0: Uh, So that might pique their interest. That could be a good thing to be that generic. You know what I mean? Um, But I thought right after you said, Raised by a Midwest family, and you kind of didn't know what to say, based on the fact that I just thought about it in Man of Steel, Mm -hmm. I kind of thought like, um, but by virtue of his amazing alien powers, he's forced, and that you know, is intriguing right there. It implies conflict. He's forced to become the defender of the world against any threats. And there are threats aplenty. You know what I'm saying? Uh And so the person might be like, ooh, tell me more about these threats. You know what I'm saying? So I had the advantage of listening to you plus the past, you know, five minutes ago thinking about Superman to – but i didn't have that good setup like you had mm-hmm. so
1: i'm not familiar enough with the original comic either so i don't know how much
0: of like him
1: being forced into the role of protector there well, is or if like i, I came they up with pretty forced much just like snapped him he was like superman from the get-go,
0: i think i came up with forced about being superman from the get-go is like if he didn't have those powers he wouldn't have sought necessarily to stop global wide conflicts mm-hmm. you know what i mean like but because of the way he was raised and his sense of justice and things like that, and he had those powers, it was almost a recipe for being forced to be a hero, you know? He couldn't justify not doing it. All right. All right. Interesting stuff.
1: Okay. Your last one. You can pass on that one because I just <laughs> thought of something. I just thought of something about it. Is it super just realized, duper, man? <laughs> that'd be
0: hilarious. <laughs> Is it bizarre? I'm going to try it anyway. Okay, okay just for fear or for pure uh, entertainment value. All right, here we go. Ghost Rider. A minute to think. It's kind of like Spawn. That's exactly. I thought of that. <laughs> okay, like right do, after I wrote all right. it. All right. Do you want to write down a different one? Uh, yeah, let me think of something. All right. Think of something.
1: I need to think of something that you're familiar with. If I'm going to keep with
0: comics, because we did a lot of movies. It's okay. Yeah, a lot of the movies were inspired by comics, too. And they're just a good touchstone as far as the audience knowing what we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, oops. It's not like you're going to get on that elevator with Joe Q and you're going to tell him your idea, and he's like, That sounds like a movie. Go kill yourself.
1: <laughs> he might. He did come up with uh, One More Day for Spider Man. <laughs> All
0: right, ready? Yep. Cloverfield. You know what? We've talked about this before on the podcast. Did we? Um, that might be why I thought of it. That's probably why we we talked about it during the Marvels episode. Oh, that's right.
1: You want me to come up with something? <laughs> yeah, else
0: just because that would be too easy for me. Uh, you can just cut this whole stuff out unless you want actually to keep this it is, in.
1: This is the interesting <laughs> part. Uh.
0: Plus, we got to plug the Marvels episode. <laughs> yeah, go
1: download that episode. It's really long. It's and like we'll, one of our longest podcasts. Ever.
0: It is. It's like a double size giant issue. There you go. All right, here we go. <laughs> Third strike, you're out. <laughs> minute on the clock for thinking. Back to the future. Ooh, I like this one. All right, go. That's time. And reset. And go. An average high school boy and a mad genius scientist live in the same town. And by virtue of that fact, have become friends. The mad genius scientist project is time travel, which the boy inadvertently goes back in time and causes a ripple effect. But this isn't the kind of thing where walking across the street wrong takes out Hitler in 1940s. What it does is takes out the boy's family and therefore his very existence.
1: 31.8, but you didn't actually start talking until about two seconds, so I'm going to give that to you.
0: All right. And, yeah,
1: that's a tell me more.
0: That was rough. I had to... Uh, I wanted to kind of go through this whole like butterfly effect thing, mm-hmm. you know, that was really long and then I'm like, "No, you'll lose them." And, and the other thing I had to do was like, how do you explain the relationship between Doc and Marty? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And the only way I could think of is like, "Hey, they live in the same place." So, it almost makes it like just happenstance that um this and I also tried to play up the regular aspect is like, "Hey, an just a regular high school boy. Um, and then to say, juxtapose that when you think of the butterfly effect in time travel, you're like, um, you know, the, just, if you go back in time and some, and you accidentally drop your iPhone, that could change technology, you know, and then you'll go back to the future and, uh, you know, everything, there's robots walking around and blah, 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 because people in 1950 saw an iPhone. Right. Right. And so I tried to say, no, this is not that situation, but it's just as interesting because now it's like a paradox and the boy's family's getting raised. But that whole little Hitler bit thing, I just kind of had to come up with in the moment because I didn't have enough time to think of a Mm -hmm. good example.
1: And everybody defaults to Hitler.
0: Yeah. Actually, there's a a short story or a book about that where uh, of time travel where this guy comes back after his first time time traveling and Mm -hmm. they go, what did you do? And he goes tried to kill Hitler and they all start laughing. They're like, everybody tries to kill Hitler the first time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's a, that's a good touchstone moment. Um, I think actually the iPhone example that I just talked about is better, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, but how to work that into the pitch. I don't know. Maybe I still would have stuck with the Hitler thing. All right. Assessment on let's look at our rule sheet.
1: Let's see what we got here. Don't tell me the plot. Tell me what it's about. Yeah. Um, I think I got a little bit of plot heavy. With um, the, I mean, there's some things where it's like you have to like it's, it is tell me what it's about, even though it's plot.
0: Yeah, that movie's very plot. <laughs> you know, it makes the movie so.
1: Why is this cool? Because it's actually affecting his own yeah history and his family's history. I
0: thought I was able to play up the uh, coolness factor by not saying. Scientist, but saying like mad genius mm-hmm. scientist, you know, by adding in those flavor words, it's like, Oh, you know, if, if he's just a scientist that stumbles upon time travel, it almost sounds like an accident, but no, this, you get that kind of, or I hope you get that kind of obsessive nature about Doc Brown through calling him a mad genius. Yeah.
1: The other, so. uh, why this is cool i think you could have thrown in a cameo by huey lewis <laughs>
0: that's a very good point <laughs> although my uh, favorite part is the uh, you know easter egg about chuck berry <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well how so we don't devolve too much into back to the future how long do
1: you think until they try to reboot back to
0: the future <laughs> i hope they never do and if they do, I'm going back in time. <laughs> All right. Okay. I've uh, let's got, do one more. Yeah, I've
1: got two left, and I'm only going to do one for the sake of time, and I'm going to pick which out of Oh, you're going to pick between two. the
0: two? Oh, I like that. It's a little bit of a handicap there. Yep. Only in reverse.
1: Uh, so the choices Jordan gave me is The Walking Dead and Home Alone. And I'm going with The Walking Dead, because I, hate, oh, man, home. I hate Home Alone.
0: <laughs> it's a, you could make a heck of an elevator pitch out of it, though. All right. A minute on the clock for, to think. Mm-hmm. Go. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just like singing. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So a minute thinking is done. Yep. Ready? Yep. 30 seconds on the clock. Go. Go.
1: It's a zombie apocalypse saga, except while the zombies are a real threat, they almost take second stage to the plight of the humans, where the humans are actually a bigger threat, um, both with uh, outside influences and the people close to you, because they're trying to retain their own humanity in this like savage new world that they find themselves thrown into.
0: All right, good. Well, what did you think? Self-assessment first.
1: So far, I think that's the strongest one I've done.
0: (laughs) Right on. I really liked the part where you told me what it was about instead of the plot where you turned it, hey, zombies are there, but they're the background. Yeah. You know, and immediately, and that's actually what Robert uh, Kirkman actually will describe it as himself, almost. You know, he uses a little bit different way to say it, but um, it's setting. The zombies are setting. They're, They're not what the story's about. Um, and then, so that was really good on, I just think there could have been some more colorful language on, you almost used like very academic sounding terms or like external, internal, blah, blah, blah. You Mm -hmm. know, like, so if you had said like internal, it's like some of these people are just going to go crazy or internal, you got to watch your back. Okay. You know, and I'm not criticizing you. No, what I'm saying true. is these are the kinds of well, things yeah, that... Well, you are. That's exactly well, what you're doing. <laughs> not negatively. Uh, what I'm trying to do is just critically think about the second rule and why this is cool, why it's exciting. In an elevator pitch, you're trying to jazz it up. Uh-huh. You know, so using the terminology of like internal threats, external threats, sounds like you're giving a debrief, you know, to the zombie apocalypse military... Um, what they need to worry about. Maybe I am. So as writers, you know, ourselves, just using a little bit of that, you know, that purple language, that spicier language actually I think could do well, well. In, a, in a pitch scenario. So maybe I don't want to read about a, a rule that comes out of the oven that's crispy, golden, brown, buttery, flaky, blah, 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 all this purple language. But in a pitch, maybe you do because you're trying to heighten a person. There's blood and guts everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying like using words like betrayal instead of internal threat and things like that, you know, make it a little bit it's the like we said earlier movie trailer style, mm-hmm. you know. Instead of uh Ben Stein, you know, in a movie trailer telling you what it is about, you just see the flash of, you know, and no one knows who will be next. That's the kind of thing a movie trailer would do, you mm-hmm. know. And then type stuff so uh that was just my takeaway other than that man i thought it was not not even other than that i'm just saying i only noticed that because you were strong enough to put that wording in in the first place Uh you know so well done all right i'm a little bit bummed that we don't get to do home alone (laughs) but maybe in an in another episode we can revisit this and when we're a little bit more practiced, do it again. So, a kid
1: abandoned by his family when they go out of town on vacation finds out that his house is marked by burglars, and he has—he's the only person that can defend his home and their possessions from these burglars.
0: I was gonna say, couple guys down on their luck, just trying to make eat ends meet, make, <laughs> make ends meet, get foiled by a snot-nosed brat <laughs> so, and a wily old man. Yeah. With a shovel. The South Bend Shovel Slayer. All right. So, I I think if I can, a la Jerry uh, Springer style, give a final thought uh, to our experience here, which I thought actually was a, a heck of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, two things. One is very uh, practical, and one kind of evolved, and I just like it. <laughs> so, the first practical one is both myself and Tim did something... That you want to try to avoid whether you're pitching at a con or pitching to joe q because your time is limited the pregnant pauses and the ums and uhs right the one reason i say this is because i used to be in training where i taught in front of a classroom of people and the thing i got evaluated on constantly was dude they would literally come up on my evaluation when i taught a class for 45 minutes and say you said um 17 times That's an improvement over 28 times last time, but we want to get that down to zero. And that was when I was a junior instructor, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it, it just makes you sound unprofessional. And then the other thing is a natural pause is fine, but a big old long fat pause is the person gets time to think, what the heck? why am I talking to this person? You know, what is going on or their mind just starts to wander. So both those things, you really got to finite, just have the natural pause with no, what's called a verbal connector. That's what ums and ahs. And it was funny because once I beat the ums, I actually got other verbal connectors. Like obviously I would say, so this kid is home alone obviously his parents are out of town obviously he's gonna have to find a way to survive on his own and obviously blah blah blah, blah. and that just replaced so his kid's home alone um his parents aren't there um you know it so your verbal connector is not always um on. the only way you can get rid of these is to work on them ahead Hence, of time ergo
1: yeah <laughs> vis-a-vis
0: from- <laughs> <laughs> but no uh Practicing and practicing in front of people because guess what? When you go to your comic convention, whether you're presenting and selling or you're just trying to network, it's you're gonna get hit with that nervousness and the only ways to get through the ums, ahs, and big long pauses are to have practiced over and over again beforehand. So that's final thought number one. Final thought number two. The finalist thought. <laughs> yeah. It's the final countdown. <laughs> I like to think that we came out of something great of this episode instead of thinking of an elevator pitch as something, hey, you know, you got this businessman on the elevator and you're just tugging on his sleeve and you only got to the next floor to give your pitch. I like that Terminator thought better is you came from the future. You only have the time on an elevator Because on the next floor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, as a cyborg, is waiting to kill you and the person you're trying to convince that your story's good. That's your new way to look at elevator pitches. It's a good way of doing it.
1: On that note, I'm Tim, and on behalf of myself and Jordan, thanks for listening.
0: And for more information, uh, whether it's a, a blog or uh, just what we're doing, yeah, exactly. I didn't practice this. Go to. Obviously, you need to uh, go to um, uh, showmecomics.com and obviously click on any links that are obviously interesting to you. But especially check out our copy of Hafu graphic novel. It's on sale right now, only nine ninety nine, And obviously, the sequel is coming out soon obviously we hope that it's in april so stay tuned to showmecomics.com for more information
1: (laughs) and visit us on twitter at showmecomics and follow us on facebook at hafu graphic novel let's work on our summary of this episode